right, welcome to the show. It is the USL show, and it's sponsored by Roughneck Scarves. This is a bit of a crossover uh, with with uh, sock takes. Uh, thank you for joining us. We have a few guests that you may or may not have heard of, uh, and I'm going to name you guys off. Boston Brazil of Cincy Soccer Talk. We have Nipun Chopra of Sock Takes, and we have Mickey Turner, who, sir, so far you do not have a podcast that I know of, right? <laughs> no, not yet. All right. Well, you might need to get on that. Uh, I happen to know a network that could take care of you pretty well. So <laughs> we are um, two of us. Sock Takes just announced the big news that they joined the Beautiful Game Network along with the, the USL show. So, Nipun, welcome to the network, man. It's a, it's a big deal. You guys have joined up. Thanks. It's a big deal that we got to join the, the network. It's a big it's a thing for us. So we got to get Mickey on so he can have his... Uh, the legal soccer podcast or the <laughs> soccer legal podcast. I think, I think that's the thing that needs to happen. Uh, I completely that, agree. What was that? I was to say that uh, I didn't even think uh, I'd have enough content to deal with uh, or to have a <laughs> podcast, but <laughs> yeah, not the case anymore. No kidding. <laughs> Plus I think you're underestimating all the drama that U S soccer has in its future too. So <laughs> uh, Boston, how's it going, man? It's going. It's going well. Uh, appreciate you having me on. Um, big fan of the USL show. Uh, I'm a regular. Listen to every episode, so uh, I'm just happy to be here. Yeah, and we're happy to have you. Let's dig right into this business. We're here to talk about the Heinemann release. Um, we brought everyone involved that we thought might um, have had a, a hand in, in talking about it. Uh, Boston, you're representing Cincy Soccer Talk because you guys did a lot of the initial reporting. And so, do you want to kind of dig into the initial announcement? Kind of fill people in on all the details in case they don't know all of them. Uh, sure. Um, Tommy Heineman was signed by the club on December 5th. Um, he arrived in Cincinnati right around January 12th. Um, uh, uploaded a, uh, a picture actually of him visiting Nippert for the first time. Um, January 15th posted a photo with teammates also in front of the pitch. Um, around that time, this is more of the FC Cincinnati, uh, orientation phase uh, medical was done at some point in here our head coach alan Koch was not actually present uh, when when the players reported uh, he was still um, down in florida getting his third class a um, license this time with the ussf um so Koch arrives at some point during the weekend a um, little bit more orientation but january 18th was the first um media uh, I think it's the first time actually the players hit the hit hit the indoor training facility there at, at the University of Cincinnati, and it was called the, the you know the first official I think it was called a media day or a practice. Uh, I was present for that, and so that's the first time you know really the, the team uh, we got to see the team in action. Tommy Heineman was there. He was um, what I would call full full participant. I think that's going to be. Um, a big point when it, when it, when it comes to this um, issue between um, SC Cincinnati and Heinemann and his agent uh, in the case that, uh, that each side's going to make. Um, and so right after that, January 18th, uh, January 19th or 20th, somewhere in there, um, Heinemann's immediately sidelined and um, he stays sidelined for about two weeks. Um, FC Cincinnati, uh, released him on the 31st and uh, kind of explains that gap of why he was on the sideline. Um, they said that they had spent the last two weeks um, working with uh, Heinemann and his agent trying to find 
um, some sort of uh, compromise or workaround, I guess, and were unable to do so. So he was uh, officially uh, released. I think it was uh, unilaterally. Uh, are there any more details that, that you know of, at least? Of course, there are things you probably know but can't talk about. But, you know, as far as the working around uh, him being straight up dropped, is there anything we know about that? Um, well, sources have told Cincinnati Soccer Talk that the injury was sustained prior to his time in Cincinnati. I don't, I don't believe that um, Heinemann nor his agent are actually debating that. Mm. Um, it involves his knee, potentially, uh, and a small ACL uh, injury. Um, the duration of recovery from that type of injury would range from about six to nine months uh, with the forward to miss the majority of the 2018 season probably not all of it you know if he had stayed um that is um the um max of our uh inside info i guess you could say um but let's see here we we do know that uh you, that fc cincinnati has two physicians on staff that would have um, handled these um medical um, both are part of the UC Health Network, and um, both are um, full-fledged uh, physicians. And, and they are attached to the team, right? I, I was kind of curious whether there were independent checkups of any kind to kind of cover their butts in that way. Uh, I imagine those may be coming, if not, you know. Yeah, so judging by the FC Cincinnati statement, I think it is safe to say that um, outside opinions were, in fact, um, um, Use that's what that two weeks is for. Mm -hmm. uh, the the statement does say they seeked uh, other medical opinions, you know, second opinions, maybe a third opinions. Just kind of went out there into the, the marketplace and tried to figure out. Uh, I honestly think FC Cincinnati was analyzing the injury as well. From everything I've been told, Alan Koch kind of clarified it uh, a little bit later. Uh, he was asked by reporters um, right before the team left for Florida, and he said that you know they were devastated. Um, he wouldn't say much more past, uh, you know, see the club statement, but, um, I do know that Tommy Heineman was a big, a big part of, the, this team going forward. The club was planning on him being a big part of it. Um, I do view this, um, as a kind of a lose, lose situation. I don't think the club is happy with it. I don't think, um, obviously Tom, Tommy is not happy with it. His agent's not happy with it. It's kind of a loss for everyone all the way around. Yeah, and uh, let's let's. I'm going to go ahead and read what PJ Savage uh, posted some things on Twitter uh, to kind of defend his client, which that's their job, right? Um, here's what he said in two different tweets. They're a little long, but here we go. Uh, While we are disappointed at FC Cincinnati unilateral termination, their termination of Tom, Tommy Heineman, pardon me, valid his valid contract and public release today, we will go through formal dispute resolution seeking all available remedies and will not make any further statements. However, <laughs> he made one more statement, which is, however, contrary to media reports, Tommy is healthy and has been since he won the NASL championship with San Francisco Deltas last season. Tommy continues to train and prepare for the 2018 season. So that leads us right into uh, the reporting. First of all, Boston, you guys did a great job reporting all that. You guys came out with news and a little more news than um, than the Cincinnati FC Cincinnati drop gave us. So um, I wanted to commend you. That's why we wanted to bring you on. You guys did such a good job uh, getting more facts out there. And you, I know you guys are still digging. There's more to come. 
So, um, but that leads us right into Nipun, who also uh, wrote a great, great article. You, you were the first to dig into the actual USL rules, which I commend you for that because I didn't look it up myself. I thought that was great. Thank you. Yeah, it, uh, I think it, I think it was necessary, uh, not just for this article, but to understand the landscape of lower division soccer as a whole. Uh, I've, I think, many folks who have covered the NASL and USL uh, for longer than I have, have commented on the limited player power that exists. Mm. Uh, and my reason for digging into this, I didn't, I didn't start with any preconceived notions. I had no idea who was right, who was wrong. I just wanted to know the overall concept of what these contracts are saying and how they're being interpreted or how, or how it could be interpreted uh, based on the language used in the contracts. Um, so yeah, and that's kind of why I dug into it. Yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about the, the USL rules that were laid out that were in your article there? Um, and, and maybe where the league and even FIFA would stand in this argument, uh, according to what they lay down in their rules, which were put in your article. Sure. So, um, th- there, are, there are three relevant sections, subsections here that, that apply to this particular situation. Subsection 4D, which essentially says that a player needs to report the club in good physical condition and needs to stay in good physical condition throughout the term of his contract. Now, let's take this one first. There were, there were some folks who suggested that this is where his actual expert opinion on this, but some folks uh, who suggested that this is where uh, Tommy Heineman failed because he didn't maintain, he wasn't able to stay in, in good physical condition for whatever reason throughout the season. If that's the case, then every time a player gets injured, hmm. basically kicked out of the club. And we know FC Cincinnati is not doing that, right? We know that from uh, recent evidence as well. So I don't believe that that's the case. The next subsection, 4E, which basically says that a player needs to disclose any previous injuries to his to the club um, and that... Um, uh, and that if he were to get injured, he needs to tell the tell the club that he is injured. So in other words, this is a subsection which suggests that if a player comes to a club or tries to hide a, a previous injury, he can be kicked out of the club for that particular reason. I think this is the one that really is that FC Cincinnati will argue upon. And based on Boston's reporting and City Soccer Talks reporting, that's probably what they're going to invoke. Um the, the third subsection, which ties into this conversation, I think is what hurts FC Cincinnati. Subsection 8 says, a club shall con- conduct an examination of a player performed by a licensed physician of this contract. Uh, and I think, it's, uh, although it's not been confirmed by the club or by anyone, I think it's open knowledge at this point that no physical was performed with Tommy Heinemann. Um, so from my reading of with these three subs, oh, and you asked about FIFA, and there's a there's a FIFA statute. It's eighteen uh, eighteen four, which says that the validity of a contract is not subject to a successful medical examination and or the grant of a work permit. In this case, of course, it's the medical examination that applies, not the work permit. So, from my reading of it, unless FC Cincinnati is able to show that Tommy Heinemann came in with a pre-existing injury that he hid. I think that's very critical that him and his uh, agent hid. They 
will probably, in from my reading of it, have difficulty uh, suggesting that they did everything correct here. Yeah, and maybe both sides, but I think that's something we're going to dig into in just a moment, especially getting uh, some help from our friend Mickey here. Uh, but before we do that, I hate to do this because we're about to take off, uh, but we are going to take a quick break and we'll be right back in a second. A couple weeks ago, we picked up a new sponsor, and that is Soccer Loco. What they do is they sell soccer gear for you. They sell stuff for kids, for women. Um, So definitely check them out, especially if you'd like to support the show. We'd very much appreciate you doing that. And the best way to do it to support us is by going to theuslshow.com. Click on the banner for Soccer Loco right there, and anything you buy, we get a little bit of credit for it. And so um, you get something, we get a little something, and... uh, you get a lot of appreciation and respect from us here at the USL show. So if you'd like to help us, please, please do that. Now back to the show. All right, welcome back. And now we are about to talk to Mickey. We've laid out some facts. Both sides um, perhaps have said, you know, the Cincinnati reporting, all the things that Cincy said and all the things that seem to be happening uh, Nipun has done a good job laying out what the USL l- rules say, even the FIFA rules. Mickey, uh, you're here to interpret this for us, and we need <laughs> you, buddy. Can you tell us, give us some initial thoughts and, and uh, opinions and expertise, if you will? Yeah, so what I would say is that the basic, uh, the basic premise that a player shall keep himself in good condition, um, like that's obviously very, very vague. We don't know... Uh, you know, there are players who come in and have are out of shape, who have existing contracts, and typically the club is still responsible for contracts unless there is some specific provision with regard to conditioning. You see that in football quite a bit uh, with players needing to make weight. Um, so that that's one potentially be something that gives a, uh, a team a justification to terminate a contract. But absent that kind of um, stuff, you're really talking about when you are coming into a club and you haven't signed a contract, the club should give the guy a physical, obviously. Once the physical is done and the, uh, the club is satisfied, that's when, you know, and the contract is signed. I don't really see where the club has any particular recourse. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, Nipun is right, and they didn't. Uh, Nipun, are you right? And they did not give Heineman a, uh, a physical prior to signing the contract. So, I mean, from my reading of it, uh, I don't think they did. But I cannot say this with any sort of certitude. It's possible that they did, uh, but you know, there there are other questions that arise if they did do that. But I mean, maybe Boston can elucidate this more. But from my reading of it, there was no physical at the before this contract was signed. It's my understanding that uh, he wasn't like flown to Cincinnati, for example. I don't think any USL club um, is that sophisticated yet. So um, if a physical was done, it would have been done by um, a physician where he's at and sent in. And I also cannot verify whether that happened or not. And yeah, I mean, that's, that's, that's like 50% of the ball game there. Right. Uh, if, if they did not give him a physical and sign him to a contract, well, it's kind of like fire beware, uh, you know, unless there's some specific provision, obviously, uh, that they can rely on. And my reading of what is in the uh, subsections uh, D and E, 
Uh, well, D, I guess D, I don't think is really going to apply. Right. Um, e might. Um, and that's where the rub is. And I've, I can't remember who I was talking to about this, but it really reminds me of the Eddie Johnson situation. Um, he got traded from the Sounders. Um, um, MLS, we're obviously talking about. Traded from the Sounders uh, to DC United, signed a designated player contract. Um, a heart condition is found. And then there's an issue as to whether it was properly disclosed and who did what. Ultimately, his contract was terminated um, by MLS. We do not know, and this is probably subject to a non-disclosure agreement, we do not know if he was paid out any of those funds for that. No one's, it's never mentioned, it's just been that he was terminated. Um, but if there is a pre-existing condition and it's in the contract that he signed that, and which in Section 4E really is what we're talking about here, um, that uh, he has to disclose that injury. Um, if he disclosed the injury, uh, then Cincinnati's got a reasonable case. Uh, if there was no injury or he disclosed it, then I don't really see where they have a case to um, unilaterally terminate his contract absent some specific language stating that they can terminate him at any time, uh, which apparently at least one USL team has language of that, uh, thanks right. to the reporting we got today. Yeah, tell us a little more about that too, because the the actual contract comes into play here, and then we get a we get a hint at what maybe Cincinnati's is um, based on what happened today. Sorry, Mickey. I was hoping I, I've oh. got the announcement here, and I'll I'll read it real quick. Sorry, uh, the club announced Tyler Gibson an off season signing has a fractured fibula that requires surgery. The midfielder is out the next four to six months after the fracture. Uh, during practice on Sunday. Now, granted, this happened in practice in preseason, um, and you know, obviously, the club knew about it right away. But, but does this tell us anything, Mickey? Uh, an in-season injury doesn't really tell me anything. Um, it, it's clearly wasn't a pre-existing injury, um, and it happened during within the course of his employment to the team. Mm -hmm. uh, so, I don't see where the team could uh, terminate a contract for an in-season injury um, that occurs during his the course of employment. Makes sense. Uh, fellas, do we want to take off anywhere? Nipun, you got you want to start us off with some thoughts? Um, yeah, I, I think it's, it's important to note one thing that Mickey said kind of quietly, but is important, is that there, there, there are two ways by which FC Cincinnati can win this. One, if they can prove without some, without any reasonable doubt or whatever whatever the language you lawyers use, Mickey. Ponderance uh, <laughs> of the evidence is probably what we're going with. <laughs> there you go. More there likely you go. That. If they can prove that there was a pre-existing injury that wasn't um, revealed, that's obviously, I think if that's the case, I think it's a cut, uh, it's open and shut case. The other one is if, if there is some additional clause that was inserted by FC Cincinnati specifically into Tommy Heinemann's contract. That is a possibility. One that I can neither say is true or not, because I've never seen Tommy Heinemann's contract. If there was something inserted by uh, FC Cincinnati into Tommy Heinemann's contract, which allowed them to, uh, which said something, for example, said something like, if he is injured, you know, if he, if his knee injury re-manifests, we can get rid of him, something like that. If that exists, again, then 
FC Cincinnati has valid reason and will probably win this complaint at uh, with USL. But I do want to point out that I think a lot of people are missing. Tommy Heinemann's knee injury record is not anything that is news. Tommy Heinemann missed almost an entire year a couple of years ago due to a knee injury. So not only is FC Cincinnati going to have to prove that this whatever injury it is 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 recent it'll ha- they'll have to prove that it ha- is not linked to the injury back then in other words if there's some sort of minor aberration in his knee that was due to the surgery he had i don't think that allows FC Cincinnati to terminate his contract FC Cincinnati is going to have to show that it is an injury that is more recent and and is something that would prevent him from playing for the club. At least that's how I, I read it. That's interesting. I wonder if that does, if it's not even contractually written about, I wonder if that does have any effect. Boston, do you have any, any thoughts on the comments so far? Yeah, I hate to speculate on um, how his, I mean, you guys are right. The contract wording itself is going to be very important. Does he have a standard USO contract? Um right. Like like Napoon found, or because he is one of the higher dollar um, value players on the roster, uh, was it a little bit different? Was it tailored um, because he was signed so early? Um, and, and, I, and honestly, we, I don't think we have any any way of knowing that. So that part speculation. One of the things we did uh, right off the bat was look at some um, historical evidence, and and then the Tyler Gibson thing helped out a little bit more. Even um, how has FC Cincinnati handled? injuries in the past um we only have one instance of a player showing up um to camp um very unfit and that was a gb fall showing up last season he obviously was not cut um he was signed um as kind of a a preseason coaching transition change uh rushed in here he was uh, not 100 ready so it took him a few weeks to get the uh, him him up uh, into shape um Mid-season, Eric Stevenson uh, received a medical release from the team. He was uh, sent to Columbus to undergo surgery on his ankle. Uh, Cincinnati Soccer Talk believes that was uh, some kind of a settlement issue. Um, he wanted to go have that surgery done, and so the team let him go. Um, I am sh- sure the details are, are hidden away. Uh, but that seemed to be very uh, mutual Um and then, of course, Tyler Gibson. Um, also, you know, I would like to point out that two players did show up to camp injured. Mm. Um, Josu had uh, surgery in the offseason, and he was a former player. And so that was obviously known about and, and disclosed. And uh, he is still um, in therapy and uh, working that off. He's not full participant yet. Uh, Jimmy McLaughlin showed up in a boot, which I'll be honest, uh, at that first media practice uh, surprised me. We had not heard anything about uh, Jimmy McLaughlin being hurt, and uh, he played the last game of the season. So uh, that part is similar um, to a Tommy Heinemann injury. Uh, We asked Jimmy about that, and he said it was a a nagging issue that persisted for a little bit, and he wanted to uh, tie that up. He didn't exactly give us a time frame on when it was injured, but um, that was fully disclosed with the club, and so they knew he was coming in with that boot on, and, and he is now had the boot removed and being worked into the um, preseason down in Florida. So we're hearing, um, yeah, go ahead, Vicky, please do. Uh, what if it's, like I said, 4D, the good condition, physical condition doesn't really seem to me to be the, what we should be focusing on here. Um, just because that's not my understanding of 
coming in with injuries doesn't really it's not something that is what that clause really is designed to be um, dealing with it, it to me it, it's dealing with unfitness and things like that um, okay i mean that's just my opinion um yeah i would well, see the rest of the usl contract uh and see what the what the penalty is or what the remedy is for a player who does not report in quote-unquote good physical condition maybe it's just that they get fined yeah. um, maybe it's that they get terminated uh, or the club has the option to terminate i, I don't know no I, at least from my, in the ger- generic one there's nothing about any fine it's it's mm-hmm. basically just that i mean the the sec- subsections i chose i specifically chose as the ones that ap- apply to this particular situation so there wasn't other sub clauses that would that said for example if you know he a player appears for is somewhat unfit he gets a fine or anything of the sort it was exactly how uh, i laid it out the but, um the reason i touched upon that is it seems to me there are two issues um going on that FC Cincinnati and Heinemann's agent are differing on. And the first is, does an injury exist? His agent claims, no, um, we believe, we believe one does exist. Um, whether that was, um, a, a previous one, like you spoke about a Napoon or a new one. I, I, I do not have the information to clarify. Uh, the second issue is uh, something we haven't touched on much, uh, that training practice. And, um, I wasn't, I didn't believe that was an issue until um, his agent continued to comment after the statement. And um, our own Bill Wolf had said that Heinemann was um, was not participating in the practice, which um, which I have clarified with him. He he didn't mean he didn't mean that as in he wasn't playing at all. He meant that to to him that was not a practice. It was a media day. They were showing off the team to the to the, the local news and to us and, and all the other journalists that were there. It was not what, what he would call a, a actual practice where a player could be injured uh, on camera. <laughs> the team wasn't going to take any risks there. Um, and so the um, agent said, um, perhaps you left before this passing pattern occurred, and he posted a team video uh, of the training session. He said, your comments, like above, can be very reckless. Um, to me, uh, that's a, a a big sign that he's going to argue um, that maybe because Tommy Heidemann was a, a participant in that practice, that that means, you know, he was a part of this team and, and he had cleared. Scary stuff. And, and it sounds like there's a big, I think the big theme we're hearing here is that this is falling in way too much gray area. And Mickey, this is, if you were to write this contract, um, or if you were the one that wrote these rules or, you know, was, were brought in to write these rules and write this contract, you might be out of the job now because there are a <laughs> lot of, a lot of possible loopholes here that we're seeing. So if you were to write this contract, I mean, what are some of the things that you would have tried to shut down on Cincinnati's side to be like, well, listen, we're, we're protected in case this, 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 and this happens. Uh, well, four E is, 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 is fine. Um, you know, uh, it says player needs to disclose the injury. Uh, again, 4D, I'm not thrilled with because uh, it's just a very vague provision. Um, I understand why they would want to put something like that in there, but it's just open to interpretation. And that's how you get, you know, shuffled off to uh, arbitration because both neither side can agree on what quote unquote good physical condition is. 
um, even though, you know, as a term of art, we all kind of understand what that means, generally speaking. <laughs> So, um, so is it better to be more specific there or do they, do you think they put it in with some wiggle room on purpose? Uh, that's a, that's a good question. <laughs> uh, you know, a good, a good attorney would, would draft it. So it's specific enough. So every, um, all the parties understand, uh, and walk away knowing what their obligations are under the contract and responsibilities. Mm. I mean, good physical condition, again, we kind of know what that means, just generally speaking. But as as far as a, pl- a player taking um, the team to USL or a grievance board or to arbitration, that's that's going to be a problem, um, or potentially a problem at least. Hmm. Uh, but four E seems, and you know, the player's got to disclose any prior pre existing injuries. What you're, I what I hear from Dapoon is basically that it's it. There was a previous injury that was clearly in the public sphere, uh, the, the 2012, I think, um, injury or knee, a 13 knee injury. That was obviously part of his medical record. And that's the other thing. Did he just, did he hand over all of his medicals, um, or, you know, sign a release so that since he can investigate, um, if he did that, and since he decided to not go through their due diligence, then there's another problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good. And and that kind of leads me to another question, which Nipun was, was kind of hitting on earlier, is are we in this gray area between existing condition and, and say, a nagging condition? Uh, like one of the guys that Boston just mentioned, is is he always kind of limping and, and, and bad like this? Because obviously, if this was nagging him at the end of the last season, the last game is written in Nipun's article. The last game he played was 90 minutes plus three or two or three before he was uh, subbed off. He scored a goal. Um, it makes me wonder if he was hurting then or if it happened later, if it was just kind of flaring up recently and it was noticeable. And so they're taking advantage of that or, or assessing the risk. Nipun, do you, do you have any feelings on, on that? I, I do. And just, in, just from the perspective of um, it, it's hard to determine this. It's hard to determine if, um, if there's, if there's any route here by which, we can say Heinemann's injury is old or new. And and if this is what troubles me. Okay, so coming back to what I said at the start of the show, my reason for writing this article and the article I'm working on right now and the article, blah, 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 that we just published is to show that these players are not being given the protection that they need mm. from lower division clubs and the lower division leagues. And this means this is true for USL and NASL, by the way. Uh, the NASL article will come out tomorrow morning. So... My overall point here is that these sort of wishy-washy definitions, and Mickey's basically explaining why it is the way it is, has left uh, has left these loopholes that allow clubs to exert a power by which they can terminate contracts without a reason that I believe is justifiable. And and Boston's absolutely right that you know it's not that FC Cincinnati has a history of doing this. This is a one-off incident, but. The, the key question that we should be asking isn't, does FC Cincinnati do this all the time? I think the answer to that is demonstrably no. FC Cincinnati doesn't do this all the time. I think the key question is, did FC Cincinnati do this to Tommy Heineman? I think that is the question that we're trying to answer. And from my reading of it, they have dealt with, uh, Tommy Heineman an unfair hand, and they should be held accountable. And I believe that if they are not, uh, yet again, setting aside the caveats that there's some other clause that absolves them of blame. Setting aside the caveats, if they don't 
protect the player, I think it has a larger repercussion across lower division soccer, which is that players begin to realize that they their contracts they're holding in front of them aren't as valuable as they believe that they are. Mm. And that is the bigger overarching argument here and the bigger overarching theme for which Tommy the Tommy Heinemann saga is just a specific example and a microcosm of a bigger issue. And I would say that subsection 8 says that the club's supposed to uh, conduct the examination prior to the execution of the contract. That's pretty cut and dry. Mm-hmm. That's one thing that is not vague. So, again, I don't see how if the club either did uh, blew it off or uh, relied on just his prior medical history, um, if they for some reason decided not to do the uh, examination and sign him to a contract – then I'm not sure where they have a justification to then come back and say, oh, my God, he has an injury and we're going to have to terminate him uh, because he didn't disclose something that we didn't bother looking into. Right. Yeah. And and we have evidence, as Boston laid out, really good evidence, as we've said a couple of times, that, you know, Cincinnati doesn't have a theme of of doing this a lot. But I think we're seeing that this is a different situation. Yes, this happened to Tommy Heineman, and this is a separate situation that, that we all need to look at critically. Um, but I think the common denominator here is, man, this guy's making a lot of money for USL, and there's a bigger risk than maybe they expected, and now all hell is breaking loose. Boston, uh, can you maybe comment on the difference between the guys previously and, and, and Tommy Heineman as he is now, the player they wanted versus the player they're getting? Sure. I wanted to quickly say I agree with Napoon 100%. I, I think players need to be um, fully protected. Um, there needs to be clear-cut rules. And and part of this, to me, is is the USL has grown so much in two years. They've jumped from a D3 league. Uh, I, I would wager, you know, the average salary is below 50000 to now a D2 league with with just monster teams coming in and, and, and growing. And you have the Nashvilles and FC Cincinnati's and Tampa's and Indies. They're just splashing cash. Phoenix. You know, I think Phoenix is number two in spending. So... This is um, this is a whole new league, and 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 I feel like the league needs to um, up their ante on on these type of contracts. If we're still using, and I I don't know if we are, but if we're still using contracts from from two years ago, um, that's not acceptable. Um, yeah. The so to answer that, the contract from uh, is between twenty sixteen and twenty eighteen is very very similar. I think yeah. there are two subsections that are different, and they are basically generic subsections about advertising and stuff like that. So mm. you're absolutely right. The contract, and it's a very good point, actually, Boston, uh, about right. how these things do need to be iterative and need to improve as the as the league improves. It, it cannot survive and cannot stay stagnant uh, and, and is our responsibility to force it to make these changes. And I would say, uh, yeah, it's not a surprise that the contracts are the same. Uh, they, they're they're basically boilerplate where you just cut up the previous person's name um, in the PDF <laughs> form and just paste the new person's name and, you know, re-trigger the numbers uh, to account for the difference in contract. But, you know, all of this stuff regarding, you know, you know uh, what, the t- what the player's obligations are, what the team's ob- obligations are, that's all just boilerplate. And it, it doesn't really change from contract, contract to contract. And, that's, and that goes for – that's in any league pretty much. 
um, when I was interning, um, this is a long time ago, but I was interned with the NFLPA uh, doing research. And, you know, I was going through contracts all the time. And the only things that really changed were the names of the players and the numbers in the contract. And I think that's something that, as, as Nipun was, uh, you know, leading to almost, is is that it is our job to make sure this doesn't happen. And, and nothing hurts a club more than maybe, first of all, money. They're going to screw this up, possibly. And so they're going to sure as heck fix what they're doing with Tommy Heineman and all their future contracts, I think, and maybe make them less boilerplate, as you call it, as you were saying. Um, but also, if if fans outrage about this and say, you know, these players, you know, they deserve better. They deserve good contracts and then they deserve contracts that are held up. Um, perhaps USL is going to have to step in and this isn't over and it's not too late for us to, to raise a stink as, as fans if we want to take care of our players and we want our teams to be responsible. Um, and even if we want to protect our teams from injuries in the future, USL needs to step up their game. They need to put on their big boy pants because um, this is becoming a real league now, guys. This is uh, becoming a much better league than it was five years ago. Um, maybe they need to step it up and, and fix all of this. Um, Nipun is we're gonna. It sounds like we're gonna hear a little more about that in the near future. Here is that what you're writing about? Yeah. So the, what I'm writing about that'll uh, come out tomorrow, and I can by the time people listen to this, they'll already they can already read it. So no, it's not like breaking. But the the essential thing in the NAS there's a clause in the NASL contract that allows teams to. Uh, terminate player contracts before the start of a season uh, without any reason uh, at all. Hmm. Uh, and it has been used by a couple of clubs, uh, specifically my club, in a very inappropriate and repetitive way. That's Indy 11, or was used because now we're in the USL. So it was used when we were in the NASL. Uh, another club has used it. Some clubs have got rid of it. So th- this problem of, of the players' contracts not being with not being worth their weight in whatever uh, analogy you want to use seems to be an issue across both USL and NASL. And hopefully by our reporting and our talking about this, and I mean the collective us, not Soctex, but all of us, it will force these leagues to make these changes and to protect our players. And the other article I'm working on that uh, won't be, it's going to take a while, at least another 10 to 12, maybe two weeks is, about the issue of USL wages as a whole and how it is impacting players and, and the lack of health insurance and some of those issues and possibly a players' union uh, that needs to form. So bigger questions that we should be asking and, and you know, in our way, forcing the, the league to, as you said, wear the big boy, big boy pants because Division Two does require, a, will, give, will provide a level of scrutiny that maybe USL has not had previously. If um, if you don't mind, Phil, I wanted to um, discuss um, an issue, kind of like what does what does FCC have to to gain or lose from this? Um, because that's one issue I've struggled, you know, uh, as a reporter. Um, I know how much FC Cincinnati was looking forward to having Tyne, um, Heineman. I know how much they. Um, we're planning on him being a big impact on the field. And I think if there was a way to have the injury addressed and put him back out on the field, that, that, you know, that's something they would have definitely explored. Um, and also the money, it's just, you know, if it's any other club, I would immediately jump to that. But, 
but you know, say his theoretically, say his contract is a hundred and sixty thousand dollars, and I'm just making that up by the top of my head. But that's 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 still not a, a ton of money for this club, and it is something they could weather. So so that's that's an issue I wanted to bring up. Where, where's what's the gain here? The negative press uh, that they got, um, and the the agent immediately came out with a statement, and they must have known that was going to happen. They knew it was going to be fought. FC Cincinnati has a decent sized legal team right now because of the MLS stuff. So I'm sure they were consulted. So what's the, you know, what's the play here? Thoughts gentlemen. Uh, well, I'd say uh, they don't have a whole lot to gain uh, from this. Uh, you know, they've got an angry player, an angry agent that they may have to work with in the future. Uh, the player's obviously not going to be too happy and he's likely to, if, other players call him up and say, hey, how was it working with FC Cincinnati? You can imagine what his response is going to be to that. Um, and so you weigh all that versus saving a hundred to $160,000 or whatever his contract was worth. Uh, given their resources, it doesn't seem like it's worth it. But there are, I'm sure there are other teams who have done similar things, who have more money than... Uh, FC Cincinnati has at their disposal. Um, I'm sure we could dig and find some MLS teams that have engaged in this kind of behavior. Um, and most of them, you would say, have more resources. At least um, they did in the past. So uh, I don't see where there's much to gain aside from saving the money and establishing a precedent um, going forward. Uh, if another such situation comes along, if they were to you know uh, honor his contract or or pay him off. Then you've got another player coming down the line. If that happens to you, you've established a precedent whereby you may have to do the same thing. Um, so uh, that's kind of what they're balancing. I think you almost have to think that's what's foremost on USL's mind, right? Precedent. They don't want this to get out of hand. They don't want a slippery slope of, of players getting crazy. I imagine. I mean, that's and, putting words and, in their mouth, of course. Right. And from my perspective, I have, so that question was posed to me, as you might imagine, I, I got a lot of, responses from FC Cincinnati folks about the article. That was a commonly cited question. And, you know, it's an interesting question in in what it's trying to assert, which is, you know, forget every not, that's not what this is not what you're saying, Boston, but this is this is what might be the underlying tone here, which is forget the whether or not they've done right or wrong. Why would FC Cincinnati do this because they're gonna lose money? It's an interesting question, but I don't know how relevant it is to the facts of what's going on. And what I'll add is this. Maybe, maybe FC Cincinnati just felt they'll get away with it. Hmm. I mean, there's a long history, and this is not, I don't, I don't know enough about USL, but this is true of NASL. There's a long history of NASL clubs doing whatever the hell they wanted to and because they could get away with it. I think that that's what it came down to, making poor decisions getting rid of players, getting rid of coaches, getting rid of doing, making all kinds of ridiculous decisions because there was no one telling them that they couldn't do that. And it's entirely possible that FC Cincinnati felt that they would be correct and that nothing would come off it, that they could get rid of a $160,000. Again, this is a made-up number, but we're going to run with it. We know, we know Tommy Heinemann was going to be one of the top earners at the club. So let's say $160,000 a year down to zero dollars a year 
and pay another another really good forward one hundred and twenty thousand dollars a year, hmm. as opposed to losing two hundred eighty thousand dollars a year. That's one hundred and twenty thousand dollars a year. It, regardless of how big money we're talking about, I think a contract the size of Tommy Heinemann does have an impact on FC Cincinnati uh, and FC Cincinnati's budget. So I think those things should be taken into account. That our assertion that FC Cincinnati didn't have anything to lose by keeping Tommy Heineman on probably isn't accurate when you put it in context of how much Heineman was earning and the possible fact that FC Cincinnati possibly felt that they could get away with it without any repercussions. I would say uh, just to add on to that, um, and I, I that's a persuasive because there's not many MLS teams just eating contracts uh, and just letting players go on their way. They just... Uh, you know, they have MLS teams can buy out one contract, but not a whole lot of MLS teams are doing that. Why? Because they have to eat the whole cost of it. And whether it's, you know, mixed disc route and uh, NYCFC, <laughs> you know, eating 1.5 million or some other team Thanks, buying out somebody's $125,000 contract, it still doesn't happen very much because it is still real dollars. Mm-hmm. No, I appreciate the thoughts. It was, it was something that um, I know I, I personally. Sh- struggled with as, as people asked us those questions as well. You get into a big speculation area um, when you try to answer those. And, and I know as reporters, it's we're not huge fans of speculation. Um, so I appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. It's an interesting question for sure. Indeed. And I think, um, you know, I, I guess before I start wrapping it up, is there anything else we want to cover before we go? I want to give everyone a chance to say one more thing. About, about the, the article? Yeah, just everything. Um, Why don't you come to me last? I need to collect my thoughts on that. (laughs) Sure. Boston, any thoughts before we go? Yeah, I just wanted uh, to leave leave everybody with this. Um, I think we should still uh, keep an open mind about it, um, regardless of 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 which side um, you know you defaultly fall into. I know FC Cincinnati fans are um, very loyal to the club. we, we love our players as well, but but the traditional fan uh, has has uh, not really been burned by the club yet. I guess I would say um, so. So there is a there's a, a deep a deep loyalty, and um, it's important to keep your your mind open. And players are people and uh, with jobs. And uh, if FC Cincinnati is is found to be at fault here, then then I think FC Cincinnati fans should should demand change. If um, this ends up being uh, an issue that Tommy Heineman has found fault at, then, then um, at the same way, I don't think uh, FC Cincinnati fans should be judgmental towards him in any way, and and uh, we just uh, move along. Mickey, what are you thinking? Um, yeah, the only thing I would say is that's 100% correct. It's entirely possible that FC Cincinnati did just about everything right here, um, in which case, you know, it's unfortunate for the player. Um it doesn't seem like it's that cut and dried, so we're going to have to wait and see. Um, but it's why you try to tighten these contracts up uh, as much as you reasonably can so you don't end up in court uh, paying more in attorney's fees. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Nipun, have you, have you had a chance to gather your thoughts? Yeah, I have. First of all, thank you for having me on. Really great chatting with Mickey and Boston about this and, and yourself, Phil. Um, my final thoughts are that I think FC Cincinnati will win. I know it goes against everything I'm saying, but as hmm. Cincinnati will probably win this. USL has protected its clubs very well in the past. 
Uh, I don't think they'll let a player win over FC Cincinnati right now. Um, and if, if FC Cincinnati does win, I think there are bigger questions to be asked about player contracts. So my, my overall thought is FC Cincinnati wins, and that is troubling. Will, okay. it, will it go further, in your opinion? I think uh, if they don't settle, my guess is that it'll probably go further. I'd, the one thing I wanted to throw in is, is that I, I personally don't believe that, that FIFA would ever rule on it, so it would have no, to be handled in the court, court yeah. system. Mickey, we were sorry you were saying something. Yeah, uh, I, w- I would agree with that. Um, and if that is the case, then maybe that provides an impetus to get some unionization um, at the lower levels. And that would probably help, you know, not only increase player wages, but get some protections for the players. Um, and maybe that's something as now that USL is heading towards C2 on a full-time basis, uh, that's, that's something they need to reckon with. Well, I think in closing, um, I am just so excited. Again, thank you all for, for being on here because I respect every single one of you and all your thoughts. And now after talking about this situation, even more so, because we came in talking about uh, a divisive issue between Tommy Heineman and FC Cincinnati. Um, obviously on Twitter, this has gotten somewhat out of hand at times for sure. Uh, but we started out talking Tell about me that. about it. <laughs> <laughs> right. We started talking about that, this divisive issue, and we've ended talking about what is right for the players and how they're treated and what is right for the club. I think we're all out to kind of just see the best thing come out for the league, for the team, and for the players. And so um, I really do encourage everyone to check out everyone's sites as they as they cover this further. Uh, Napoon on Sock Takes. You can find Boston's work and, and his nine or ten other helpers um, on Cincy Soccer Talk. Uh, Mickey doesn't have a podcast yet, but he promises to sign with Beautiful uh, Beautiful Game Network once he does. Uh, but yeah, again, it, uh, thank you guys for joining me. I've really enjoyed talking, and I, I hope maybe we'll have something to talk about later. Uh, we'll bring everybody back. Sounds good. Yep. All right. Good night, everybody. Thank you again for listening to the show, the USL show brought to you by the Beautiful Game Network. We'd like to thank our sponsor one more time, Roughneck Scarves. It's the official scarf supplier of MLS, USL, and US Soccer. Get custom scarves for your group or your team at roughneckscarves.com.